As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let's do a show! Let's do a show right now! What are we doing? Welcome to the future where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses, where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is a no, and a new future is born. Never before in history has so much meant so little to so many. AD on the radio. I have returned. Well, look wor- who's back. <laughs> a world traveler. I was only supposed to one, go one place, but like, I, the whole journey had so many unscheduled stops and canceled flights, and it just... I, yeah, we followed all of your airport pictures on Insta. You know, I honestly, at one point, I was looking at my phone and trying to figure out what time it was in America and what day it was in America, and like, I, I was messaging a friend of mine through incredibly spotty airline wi-fi and when you when you're however many thousands of feet in the air it doesn't tell you it doesn't tell you what the time is like there's a time but it doesn't tell you what time zone that is and you're in the air for like dude copenhagen to uh san francisco is a really long flight <laughs> like and so you just kind of lose track of what day it is and who you are and i remember like messaging someone i was like what time is it there they're like nine i was like a.m or p.m they're like a.m <laughs> i was like it's gonna sound really stupid but what day <laughs> <laughs> like, Please speak I in just, military time. Yeah, lo- lo- lost lost all track of who I was or what I am. But I, I can tell you this much: I'm really, really glad to be back with you. I'm really glad to be back with you, Funkhauser. I've it's been looking forward to this for a long time. The first if you day were, of spring, we're both back together, nice and you know, f- uh, ripe. Yes, spring has sprung, which would explain explain the uh, freaking allergies and the pounding headache. But nevertheless, this is this is awesome. If you are one of the so many people sent me really really kind messages i was away my dad needed a heart procedure and it was it was getting up to that point where we got him out of the hospital and got him home and all that stuff was one of the more real experiences i've ever had in my time on this earth and it Look, every single day I go on the radio here. Every single day I go on the radio here in a couple other cities, and I do my very best to make sure that you have the company that you want when you need it. That was always my favorite thing about radio. I always loved the fact that I could turn on the radio. Not necessarily the most social, outgoing guy, but there's times when you wanted some sort of company and you wanted to go up, you wanted to feel like you were in the room with another person. And radio was always just enough. And that's, I think, a big part of the reason why I got into radio was because I wanted to keep people company the same way radio had kept me company. So every day I go on the air and I try and keep you company when you need it. I try and share conversation and music and laughs. And most importantly, I try to let you know that there's someone there who is on your side, someone who's got your back, someone who cares about you. And that's like the best part of my job. This is what I love to do. This is why I'm on the radio. These are why they do why I do the things that I do. But for the entire time that I was away dealing with one of the more real and nitty gritty situations that I've ever encountered in my life, flying to a foreign country to go be with your dad in a foreign hospital and all that that entails in a procedure that is, you know, uh, a, a, a serious one is going to, uh, well, like I said, it was one of the more real and nitty-gritty experiences I've ever had in my life. And if you 
or one of the many people that was sort of messaging me constantly or, or keeping in touch or offering words of support or encouragement and love. And well, I want to know, I want, I want to let you know that while I was away doing what I was doing in uh, a time that could only be described as a bit of a crunch time, you, my friend, you, you made me feel like, well, I was being kept company. You made me feel like someone had my back, like someone was on my side. And I want to say thank you very, very much. And I'm really excited to be back here on the radio catching up with you. You you freaking rule. You so, really do. So AOL works in other countries? <laughs> yeah, yeah. America <laughs> Online. I, I think even my Turkish Uber driver was like, ah, ha, ha, AOL. <laughs> uh, what are you, from the Stone Age, kid? And uh, <laughs> it, it was amazing that the... Uh, it was amazing that scorn of people that use American online transcends boundaries of race, color, civilization, <laughs> and continents. Like, thousands and thousands of miles away. Someone like, AOL? <laughs> and that's actually a true story. Like, I get out my phone. I was like, let me see if I get internet service in, in Austria. And the guy was like, Gmail? And I don't know why he cared whether or not I had Gmail. <laughs> I think it's because he had an app in his car and he wanted to show off that he could get it if I couldn't get it or something. I'd, I don't know. But he's like, Gmail? I'm like, no, AOL. He's like, AOL? <laughs> I got made fun of in broken English for being so far behind the freaking times in a foreign country. Uh, it really is the international language. <laughs> so what was, uh, uh, while we go into break, what was the weirdest, uh, strangest occurrence that, that you ha- experienced in the time over there? I don't know if it was the weirdest, strangest occurrence, but I realized that I could probably live perfectly happily in the Copenhagen airport for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> that place rules. Like, if you're ever going to have a layover, of which I had plenty, um, if you're ever going to have a long layover... I could not I could not say more about the Copenhagen airport. Why? I hear you ask. Well, I'm glad you asked and we'll get to it next. Hey, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. and right come together for fundamental truths. AD on the radio, on Twitter at ADSXE. So, there's a certain type of economic nationalism, of nationalism in general that I discovered in Austria. And it goes something like this. First and foremost, I've decided after my, uh, my week-long trip to Europe, that possibly my greatest source of shame in my life is that I only speak the one language fluently. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to get some, I'm, I'm going to Rosetta Stone this bitch until at least I'm fluent in some other thing, probably Spanish, because that's what I know the best. I can get by in Spanish, but yeah, Funkhauser, how many how many languages do you well, speak? Well, I got uh, one and a half. I took Spanish in high school, so that counts. Yeah, one and a half. Like the, 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 <laughs> solamente, solamente las palabras malas. You know what that means? No. Only the bad words. <laughs> but, like, that's the, that's the standard. I think everybody I know has one and a half languages. And it is it is embarrassing when you're overseas and everybody speaks English and, like, five other languages. Like, my, my Uber driver, the one that was making fun of me in broken English for having an AOL account, like, making fun of my ass for living in the 90s. Like, he barely spoke English. But, like, I got in and he was like, oh, are you Dutch? Apparently, I look Dutch. It must be the like the blonde hair and the height or something like that. He was like, "You Dutch?" <laughs> I was like, "No." He's like, "Cause I speak a little Dutch." I was like, "No, I'm I'm, uh, I'm American." And he was like, "Oh, um, I'm from Turkey. I, I guess you don't speak Turkish." I was like, "No Turkish." He was like, "German. You must speak German." I was like, "No, no German." He's like, "Oh, well." Um, what else do I speak? I speak, uh, some French. I was like, I know three words of French and the guy, my Uber driver knew like four languages. He was, flu- he was fluent in four languages and had another two that he sort of got by in. And I'm like, they're going, uh, English please. And he was just so beyond 
intellectually and culturally dwarfing me at every every turn and i was just like i'm i'm learning another language it's shameful but here's the thing i think part of the reason most people that speak english don't speak a whole bunch of other languages because everybody on the face of the planet speaks english they do but you know it's interesting you know what's interesting about austria i found a certain type of nationalism in austria that i very very much related to it's a lot like you've seen in america it's a lot like you might feel in america it's a lot like you might encounter in america when you step out your front door and that is hey you're here in this country try and speak the language come on what the hell and the <laughs> So, like, unlike the folks in Copenhagen, Denmark, the greatest airport to ever have a layover in ever, who see you coming up wearing a New York Mets shirt and a ball cap and see you clearly being American, but when you walk up to one of those guys at a sandwich counter or at, like, a news agent or something like that, they'll be like, oh, hey, how are you, fella? How's it going? Go Mets. What can I help you with there, partner? Like, that, they, do, they overly Americanize when they talk Here to you. Here comes a big tipper. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. They're trying to make you feel at home from the freaking get-go in places like Denmark. In Austria and in other Germanic countries, <laughs> there's there's sort of a, a directness. There's a nationalistic sense to what you're doing. And it can be best summed up when you're trying to order something off the menu or when you're trying to buy tickets to something. And it goes like this. They talk to you in German. You talk to them in English. Well, first you approach them and you go... Uh, I would like to buy two of these, please. And they talk to you in German. And you're like, uh, hmm, I would like to buy two of these, please. And they talk to you in German again. And then you go, oh, I'm sorry, do you speak English? And they go, of course. And then it's fine. But the implication is, yeah, you can at least freaking try German, tourist boy. Come on. And it's that sense. It's that sense of you're here in our country. Uh, try and toe the freaking line that I found huh. was very present in Austria. And it's interesting. It's very, very interesting talking to my dad about what it was like to live in Austria. I'm like, how does it feel? What's the general sense here? He's like, well, look, you know, throughout all of Europe and all of America and all across the world, there's there's a certain amount of like millennials, urgh, immigrants, uh, you know, there's. There's very real situations occurring around the globe that need to be dealt with, and different countries have different ways of dealing with them. But he said that what made Austria interesting and successful when it came to immigration was their ability to integrate people into their culture and their society. And this is where I think the U.S. might win with immigration. Look, there's so much debate about who we let into our country, how we let them into our country, and when we let them into our country. But the thing that I noticed, the thing that I noticed with Austria was that that sense of nationalism, which I've never associated with love before ever. I've never thought like nationalism, that means caring and empathy. But there's a certain end result from Austrian nationalism, or at least what I picked up on when it comes to immigrants and immigration. You go to other countries like London, you go to other cities like uh, you go to other countries like England, you go to cities like London or Brussels or somewhere like that. You'll notice a common trend. And that is when immigrants have come to that country, they go, oh, OK, yeah, go get in. But you go over here with the rest of your kind. And they plunk all these people of a certain ethnicity and religious belief or whatever it is all down in one place, creating this culture that puts up barriers within a country. A culture that is like a little version of that country right there and almost immediately creates an us and them situation and over time definitely creates an us and them situation and it gets really weird really fast and if you've been to London recently if you've seen some of the things that have happened in parts of London if you've seen the ways in which culture has been flipped on its head in which tensions run extraordinarily high you know exactly what I'm talking about seen the same thing in parts of Brussels. seen the same thing all over Europe and all over the world. But there was something that Austria did. That that snotty, you are here in, you are here in Austria, you will speak German, no. That attitude has created something kind of magical. Like I said, I never would have thought nationalism, nationalism equals love, but I'll tell you how it did next. Get the blue.
news, get all the news, we mean all of you, skies out there in Radio Land. All aboard! He's back, AD on the radio. Give it up, yeah, give it up, yeah, bring this on, bring this on, come on, come on. So like I was saying earlier, if you ever have any kind of an extended layover, the Copenhagen Airport in Denmark is where you want to do it. It's incredible. It's it's kind of amazing. It's like a giant high-end Scandinavian shopping mall with great restaurants and great places. Was it like to that Tom Hanks things. movie? Um, I never saw the Tom Hanks movie you're talking about, but I know the premise, and that's like he can't get into the country, so he lives in the airport. Mm-hmm. That, that that's the one, right? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Does speak the language. I, if I was ever going to live in an airport, Copenhagen, Denmark would be the place. <laughs> everyone is extremely fashionable. Everyone is extremely good looking and everyone is extremely friendly and warming and, and warm and welcoming. And it's like an awesome place. Like one of my favorite restaurants in the world is in the Copenhagen, Denmark airport. It's like this Spanish tapas bar that makes like really awesome food. Like you've had a ham and cheese before, but you've never had a ham and cheese the way they make it. It's like manchego cheese and parma ham and it's like unfreaking real and uh, yeah copenhagen airport they're incredibly warm and welcoming and uh I, I get the sense that the rest of the country is like that it's amazing like i wound up with really long layovers there because of a canceled flight and delayed flight one flight had to make an emergency landing you ever you ever done that before no. <laughs> you didn't like, have a heart attack? Is there a doctor uh, on board? I, there, they, well, first they asked that question. They're like, is there a doctor on board? And uh, I was like, that's happened once or twice when I've been on planes. And I've had to make an emergency landing before for uh, a mechanical reason. And um, <clears throat> that's no fun. But this time out, they asked if there was a doctor on board. And then a little while later, they announced, hey, we're going to be making an emergency landing in Nova Scotia, Canada. And they wheeled this poor teenage girl off the plane who looked like she was going to make it, but was in a really, really bad way. And so we all felt awful. And then we all realized we might be stuck overnight because the fuel that you use to get to the, the fuel that you use when you do an emergency landing takes enough out of the plane to where they had to get more. And it was so late at night, they didn't know if they could get more before the next morning. But it was an interesting one because eh, it was a great lesson in... It was a great lesson in recognizing that everyone around you has a life that you know nothing about. You know the old adage, everybody's going through a personal struggle that you don't know anything about. So when at all possible, be kind. Airports are really, really a great example of that because you see people that are, no one's just hanging out in an airport. They're on their way to do something. They've got to go somewhere to do something. That's why you get on a plane and you realize as you look at all these people that they've all got lives and All of a sudden, in the face of it all, if you're like me, if you stop and think about that, you feel kind of small and you recognize that there's an entire world going on around you that you know little to nothing about. And it's a humbling and cool experience. Next time you're in an airport, look at everybody. Try and figure out who they are, where they're going, what they're up to. And it's an incredible piece of perspective. But when you do an emergency landing, boy, does it start start making you kind of dig into people's lives a little bit more because you got no choice. Like I heard the conversation in the seat in front of me, the guy and the girl in front of me started talking and he was a little upset. He was like, man, if we don't, if we don't take off tonight, I'm going to miss what I'm, I'm flying for. And she was like, oh, what do you have to do? Is it like a meeting? Is it a business thing? Are you going on vacation? He was like, no, no, I'm going, I'm going to Germany for somebody's funeral. And I really don't want to miss that. I thought, oh man, oh, this poor guy. This poor guy, everything that he had to do to get to this point, to go do something that is important, but difficult and unpleasant, probably. And he might miss it. And then the girl next to me, she was like, I'm totally going to miss my connecting flight. And I was like, yeah, me too, probably. Where are you headed? And she was like, I'm, I'm going to Austria. I'm going to Germany. I got to help my dad at a trade show. I was like, no kidding. What, what do you do for your dad at a trade show? And she was like, well, he's a scientist. He sells tech and there's this big techie trade show in, uh, in Germany. And I've got to go because I speak Chinese and I speak Farsi and I speak Spanish and I speak English. So I'm going to be his translator. And I was just like, how, how'd you do that? And he's like, well, my dad, my dad is from, my dad's from Iran. My mom's from Mexico. And then I was raised in California and I was like, no kidding. And she's like, I did a year or two over uh, abroad in China where I learned how to speak Chinese. And I was just like, and you're how old? And she was like, ah, I'm a sophomore in college. And I was like, wow, it's incredible. 
this life this kid has led. All these languages. I, I'm sitting there ashamed of my one and a half, and she's fluent in a whole bunch, and she's going places to do things that I never, ever, ever in a million years, no matter how hard I looked at her and tried to picture who she was and where she was going and what she was about, ever would have imagined any of the above. I wouldn't have turned to my left and thought, this girl speaks four languages, and she's off to Germany to help her Persian father sell tech at a trade show. Sounds like a mad just, lib. It really does. And I was just like, everybody's got a life. Everybody's got a life, and it's so humbling. It's such an amazing piece of perspective. Air travel can really be that if you let it be that way. And uh, and if you have a lot like of I time said, on your hands to yeah, which and... which well, by the time I got to uh, Vienna, <laughs> by the time I got to Vienna to see my dad, I was on my fifth country, six cities and five countries. In oh, you're talking hours. on the way there. I thought you were on the way back. That's on the no, way there. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the way back was just as fraught. But, like, on the way there was, you know, a real kind of learning experience. But, anyways, realize that people in, in Denmark are unbelievably welcoming. Realize that people in Austria, not so much. My dad was like, have you noticed it? That sort of like, you know, they're very happy to have you here, but it's their world and you're in it. And they there's little subtle ways, whether you're just buying dinner or a couple of tickets for a bus or whatever it is you're, you're doing, there's little ways that they let you know that. And like I said, I've never in the past equated nationalism with love and care. You know, nationalism is, nationalism is this thing I've always kind of felt like encourages people to take credit for things they didn't do. You know, like our founding fathers said, well, that was nice. George Washington and, and those folks really accomplished a whole lot. But you're not Thomas Jefferson. You're not George Washington. You're the guy that just drained a six pack and watched football all Sunday. So stop taking credit for the stuff that you didn't do. That was the stuff that I didn't like about nationalism. I thought it encourages people to be proud of things, take credit for things that they had nothing to do with. But this sense of nationalism that I spotted in Austria that is really very similar to what we have going on in America, which is like, hey, you're here. Glad to have you here. But just so you're aware, this is this is this is our world and you're in it. And uh, we're going to remind you of that really kind of led to something interesting, because unlike countries like unlike countries like England, where in London you have this massive problem where there's immigrants that are just dumped into specific communities over and over again. And it's built up this cultural divide that has resulted in a lot of tension and a lot of mistrust and a lot of problems. And you see that in places like Brussels as well. You see that in places like Paris and different parts of France and all over the world. But the thing where Austria kind of got it right, I think, was that nationalistic, it's our world and you're in it, sense of pride when having people in the country. See, my father pointed it out and I noticed it immediately. The level of what I would call integration that I found in Vienna was really something. People sort of, you know, getting on with their business. It didn't feel like there was an us and them situation. It felt like a very safe city. And I asked my dad and the people that he worked with, I was like, is this city as safe as I think it is? Because it kind of feels a little like, well, I don't walk around ready to be jumped at any time the way I do when I'm in New York City or a place like that. And they're like, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Not a whole lot of violence here. Not a not a ton of tension. I mean, of course it exists. And I'm sure if I hung around long enough, I would have seen an example of something lousy happening. But the thing that I noticed was there wasn't this tension. There wasn't this super obvious tension between people with different colors of skin, people with different beliefs. There was one very interesting thing that I noticed, which is everybody there is on scooters, like those little razor scooters that we here in America give up as kids. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't really sort of drive over there because the public transportation system is so good and parking is such a bitch, at least in Vienna. It's like this big city. Parking is not readily available and everybody's taking like buses and metros and stuff. And so like everybody is getting to and from those things on these scooters. Everyone's riding razor scooters around. And then because you got a razor scooter that you brought with you, you ride it in the building too. Like people, like adults, grown men, like men in their 50s rising, rise, riding razor scooters through shopping centers in Vienna. It's a really weird and interesting thing. And like my dad lives uh, in a part of town that has a reasonably large Hasidic community. And it's an interesting thing when you see a Hasidic Jewish guy whiz by you on a razor scooter. I was like, there's, there's one for the books. That was awesome. 
So people are riding around on their Razor scooters <laughs> there. And Razor scooters seem to be a cultural common denominator. But the thing that they did in Austria, the thing that I thought was valuable, the thing that we are apt to do in America, and something that I feel like we might want to encourage ourselves to do is go, hey, hey, you know what? Rather than plunk you down in this one place, we're going to let you know, hey, welcome. Welcome to our country. It's beautiful. It's awesome. There's a lot to be gained by being here. There's culture. There's art. There's music. There's friendly people. Oh, the food, the culture, the education possibilities, the job possibilities are are fantastic. And oh, it's so good to have somebody that really appreciates it here. But understand this. This is Austria, and you're now living here. And we're happy to have you. But this is how it's going to be. And they don't separate people of different cultures into different parts of town. It's one of the most successfully integrated places I've ever come across. It's one of the places where, especially in this day and age, there is a noticeable lack of tension between people of different races, cultures, and religions. And I think a big part of that is because, well, folks have recognized we're here now and we're going to act accordingly. And that's through little things, little things like, hey, welcome. I'm going to speak to you in German until you ask for me to speak to you in English. Because that should be what is expected here, no matter who you are, what you do. So, like I said, never in the past have I associated nationalism with love and nurturing and caring and bringing people together. But I see how it did in Austria, and I see how it has the potential to in America. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with being proud to be an American. There is absolutely nothing wrong with going, hey, hey, this is kind of how it is here. And, and you know... You're welcome to it, but just FYI, this is how things work. Come on in. Enjoy it. We'll show you how things work. We'll show you where to go and what to do. But recognize where you are and welcome. It's like, like a mafia said, thing. A, Jeez. Yeah, well, no, but it's like it's not. It There's real it, – it, it's a strange thing. There is real results. There, there are real results in it that I've seen. And look, I don't claim to have all the answers. And I know that nationalism is such a, uh, a loaded word. You know, like everybody's scared because like uh, Trump and Bannon keep throwing around words like economic nationalism. And, you know, uh, nationalism, that was part of uh, that, that was the end in Nazi. So a lot of people are instantly knee jerk, reactionally scared. Is knee jerk reactionally a word? It is now. I just made it so. But people have a knee jerk reaction of fear to that because the end in nationalism was the end in Nazi and there's good reasons for that to ring alarm bells but when people talk about economic nationalism that's uh they got that in Canada CanCon you must play a certain number of Canadian artists on the radio uh, you're going to be on the air for an hour well at least 35 minutes of that must be made up of Nickelback, Celine Dion, Rush, Triumph, and the dudes in Sum 41. Can you make that work? Because if not, well... There's some things in not, there that are okay by me. You're not O-Canada-ing properly. <laughs> A portion of that. There's economic nationalism in Austria. Uh, in Australia, rather. It was funny. Our program director at KPRC in Houston... Uh, <laughs> saw on, on my Facebook page that I went to Austria and he was like cool good day mate I'll put another shrimp on the barbie <laughs> <laughs> but they have this in Australia I know a lot of people who wanted to move to Australia back in the day but here's the thing there's a bit of a waiting list like it, it's a great country with a lot of opportunity and if you're an American if you're an American that wants to move to Australia you can't just go there on a whim you must have a job offer. You must have a reason for going there. You must have something that you can offer the community and the society, some way in which you can help that country generate income and improve the quality of the country before you get in. That's how hard it is to get into a place like Australia. This fun, fun-loving, jovial, happy place of kangaroos and boomerangs is actually really tough when it comes to letting people in. And... It's one of those things. It's a little bit of perspective. It's a little bit of perspective when I tell you that, you know, these things, these systems that other countries have in place, they come out of the mouth of Trump and Bannon. And because they come out of the mouth of Trump and Bannon, people go, oh, my gosh, that's scary. That's scary. But some of it, some of it bears, well, at the very least, a closer look. 
fire ants, and free thoughts. All the comforts of what we call home. This is KPRC AM 950. Real Texas. Real talk. AD on the radio. Katy Perry did more than just kiss a girl. A what? Uh huh. Apparently, apparently so. Huh? That's uh. Now we have to change the uh, rating of our show from G to PG. G, G to G whiz. She did. Hmm. I wonder what she did. Maybe we should talk about that later. That'll be our tease. What more than kissing a girl did Katy Perry do? <laughs> we'll get into that later. Having uh, scared half of our audience by coming back from a Germanic country and talking about nationalism and how it's such a great thing, um, perhaps we should talk about what... Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's not scary at all when, when German-speaking goose-stepping countries talk about how their way is the only way and that is <laughs> the thought process I come back with. That's not going to put an analyst on danger money at all, is it? So uh, let's... Uh, Somebody let's keep an eye right on AD along. over there. Yeah, what what did you do while I was gone, Funkhauser? Oh you man, got, you, I, you got sick. You did nothing. Yeah, I did nothing. I I, I bought a PS4. Ooh, a why, wait, hold thing. on. Are you a gamer? Is that a thing? No, I I, well, no. I'm trying. I figure it's about as expensive in the long term as it is to go out and date. So I'm going to uh, hang out on the. How PS4 much is a PS4? For like, I don't know, like four hundred bucks. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Four hundred bucks. So, how much is a date? Bearing in mind that you live in Los Angeles, well, yeah, probably about a hundred bucks each time. So, hundred bucks you know. a pop. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Till you realize so, that you know you guys don't work out for each other. It just gets more guess, expensive after that. Anyway, I guess you could find like a gamer girl as well, and then you could just the date could be she comes over to your house and plays. <laughs> plays I with hear your people PS4. meet on on like inside the video game when they're talking to each other while they're shooting people. Wow. I thought I knew nothing about gaming. You really know nothing about gaming and it being a whole Is that a thing? experience now. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's like <laughs> enormous communities, there's message boards, there's all kinds of opportunities to inappropriately meet a fan of a game and fall head over heels in love. But the thing is, like Funkhauser, this is why I don't get into gaming. It's no fun when you get into gaming as an adult. It really is. Like, <laughs> did you play video games it seems as a kid? Not. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm all about Sonic, and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Toe, Jam, yeah. Toe Jam and Earl was like my uh-huh. favorite, favorite, it's a rare one, but yeah, I used to, when there was four buttons, and there was a cord going to Sonic. the thing. Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. What, you play Ego the Dolphin? I think that was the game that came for free, <laughs> when you got a Sega Mega Drive or something like that. Well, you can get those classic games, but now I, I had to get a new TV, too, it's a 55-incher. So my, my sister had a Sega. She never let me play it, and I was kind of like out of the house most of the time. By the time she got into like Sega and stuff like that, for for me, my old school gaming experience is this is the shared experience. And you know that you're among friends that grew up around the same time as you that understand you and have your same sense of humor when you say, I laugh at you like the dog in Duck Hunt laughs at you after you miss all the ducks. And everybody mm-hmm. knows like, hee <laughs> Picturing mm-hmm. <laughs> it now? it's totally true but here's the thing like the average gamer like you think of video games as being a kid's thing really not like i think the average gamer is like us funkhauser mid-30s probably a dude like limited social skills couldn't be like me (laughs) oh yeah yeah, i get what you're saying like the yeah we're right no no we're right in the demo you Mm -hmm. think it's a it's something for children and it's really not it's something for adults like the average gamer i think is in their mid-30s and what's very interesting about that is and what makes it a little bit of an exclusive club is most of the guys and girls that are playing video games that are right in that middle of that key demo are not you. They did not just buy a PS4. They are not like rediscover. <laughs> this is not their first video gaming experience since they decided that they'd outgrown Sonic and his hedgehog buddies <laughs> like. If you try and get together and play video games with people, they will have been playing since they were kids and they will have been playing constantly and they will be so unfun to play with. I'm always going to lose so much 
better. Well, it's not even like you're going to lose, but you like in games where you're playing against them, you're going to lose. In games where you're playing with them, if you're going on a raid or something, well, then there's a very good chance that you, there's a very good chance that you will be the person that holds them back and dies early in the game. It's there's like a one touch of those pad where, on the control. Like a touchpad uh-huh, on the uh-huh. control now. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. This is never going to work. <laughs> $400 well spent, my friend. Yeah. Nice D- it's a DVD player. At least I got that going for me. It'd be like you trying to learn how to swim at age 35 and be, being in the pool with, uh, like, being in the pool no, with I Olympic kick my swimmers. Legs and my, yeah, yeah, my hands, yeah. too? I don't know yeah, if I can do that at the same you're time. You're in there with a kickboard and water wings as Olympians swim past you at top speed. You are now in a community of people that have spent their entire life getting good at this. But you know, I might get good at it. Yeah, you know what? And also, ultimately, people play video games because they're fun. Like, I'm not trying to create this elitist society because I'm definitely not a part of it. I don't know how to play video games. I don't know what video games are out right now. But I can tell you this much. People play video games because they're fun. And, you know. So you've really given up on dating to the point where you're going, like, you're factoring, like, okay, 100 bucks a date or a $400. What would you get? PS4. A PS4. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. A few of my friends have it. And I guess you can play online with them. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just, All your friends you know, are going to... These, these friends that have it are going to be the ones that are better than you, I think. But, like, they're your friends, so they might be nice. Won't they have you mercy? Know, they, uh, I don't know, man. Mercy and games don't tend to go hand in hand. Like, at least not in my experience. I grew up with a grandfather that would play me at Scrabble when I was, like... When I was six, and he'd be like, oh, look, anti-disestablishmentarianism on a triple word score. <laughs> I'd be like, C-A, if I only had a T, I could do cat. <laughs> like, and I'd get my ass handed to me over and over again with that stuff. So I don't know. Maybe you've got the kinder friends, but I find that competitive edge really, really comes out. One of my best friends growing up is one of the best street, fire play- street fighter players on the planet. And we'd be playing when we were like 15 years old. Yeah. And he was annoying to play with because he'd be like, no, what are you doing? Defensive crouch, boom, you're dead. Yeah, Hadouken, Hadouken, you're gone. And I was like, ah, ah. And I never got good and I never stuck with it because he was just like, he wasn't going to dumb himself down in terms of video games. And I remember like, dude, you wanted to play this video game with me and then you just kick my ass and it's no fun and I don't want to do it anymore. He's like, and he said these words to me very seriously. And bear in mind that he is (laughs) one of the best Street Fighter players on the planet. His uh, Goken is more or less undefeated. But... He said to me, you're never going to learn any other way. Uh, <laughs> like, and if I, like, beat the crap out of you. Thanks a lot, <laughs> and, teacher. Yeah. And I was like, oh, look, 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 look outside your window. What is that you see? Girls. I'm going to go talk to him Later. <laughs> There's something happening here, and you should know what it is. (laughs) The dumbing up of America. Now, more AD on the radio. We discovered something today, and what we discovered, Funkhauser, is that Katy Perry apparently did more than just kiss a girl. What? I hear you say... Tell whoa, me more, whoa, man. man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, we'll get into exactly what Katy Perry did or did not do with a girl and <clears throat> how we know this a little later on. Right now, though, oh, I've missed this so much, Funkhauser. I, I am so glad, uh, I'm so glad to be back here with you, and I'm so glad to be back here with Funkhauser doing radio. Is I, I live for this stuff. I forgot how much I loved it. I mean, I always know that I love it. I always know that I'm grateful for to, to be able to do this, but I forgot just how much I love doing this until now when I'm back in the saddle, and I've been looking forward to this for a week. Funkhauser, let's do some news. This is my witness news. In no way, shape, or form fair and certainly not balanced. And now, super producer to the stars, Barry Funkhauser. Barry Funkhauser. Who? Barry Funkhauser. Hello. Hello. So Funkhauser, while I've been gone, 
<laughs> what has been happening? Oh, you world. haven't been paying attention to the news there? Well, just, really? you know, my AOL feed, which is actually surprisingly... Do they play CNN on in, in, uh, in all airports around the world? Um, Do you get the... You know, you know what is very interesting? Um, that whole having televisions on, on, on cable news channels, that's, in my experience of the last couple of, uh, last week or so, that's a distinctly American thing. And that was something that I noticed. I was like, no one's playing TV. Like, no one's got the, you know, there, there were... Like message boards that were running sort of like ads for different things going on in the airport, but I didn't see a ton of televised news there. Or maybe I was just a little oblivious to it because it wasn't in the same language. It could have been news, and maybe their news just looks a little different. I I don't know, but I I just didn't see anything like the constant 24-hour jamming down your throat of cable news that we appear to be reliant on around here to know how we feel about the world. I thought that was Mm, a good thing. Good. Nice little little breaky break from that. Well, then here's some news. Uh, Donald Trump re- unveiled his budget. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not to say that it has a lot of cuts, but even O.J. Simpson was like, wow, that's some slashing. <laughs> uh, not cool, dude. <laughs> like, I-, I went to watch the O.J. documentary. You haven't seen and that instead, yet? Well, no, I haven't seen that yet because instead I wound up watching the, uh, oh, Oh, this is real. How come I can't remember? Who show me the money guy? Who, who, what's what's his name? Come uh, on, Cuba, Boys in the Cuba? Hood. Show me the money. Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw that instead, where Ross from Friends was playing Robert Kardashian. Yes, <laughs> and he played it just like Ross from Friends. He's like juice. Hi. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is not the thing that won the Oscar that I wanted to see. I'm st- oh, now I'm sucked in. I wonder how it ends. I knew how it ended. Go on. Mm. Well, Chuck Berry died at 90. A lot of people like, it's so sad. I'm like, really? He kind of like had this thing where he was a living legend and made it to the age of 90. Like, what a, what a run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet I know what he's going to say to Beethoven if they have to share oh, a bunk in heaven. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, I don't know if this is what I need, but yeah, there it is. All right. <laughs> Do you, do you want to find Rollover Beethoven? So those that I was looking aren't for familiar it. Nope, with the catalog fine. of Chuck Berry. I think everyone knows All right, that song. Uh, Go the, on. The Secret Service arrested a man who drove up to a White House checkpoint and told the guard he had a bomb in the car. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, agents found a DVD of Fifty Shades Darker in the uh, trunk. Uh, he was not lying. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I hear it's kind of good. Mm. What Fifty Shades Darker? Yeah, you know, my mom it, it, liked it. <laughs> oh, that's an uncomfortable mental image. I Mama haven't seen Funk either liked... of them, so I don't know. It's your happening. mom. Your mom watched both of them. Mm-hmm. Your mom watched both Bondage movies, mm-hmm. and then reported to you on the fact that they, she thought they were good. Uh huh. Uncomfortable. Like, what do you I do mean, in that situation? Ask, I didn't follow up. Ask a, ask a follow up question about it. How did I that conversation go? Either, so I don't How know. did that conversation go? Hi, Barry. Hi, Mom. Have you seen Fifty Shades Darker? It's good. No, like, Mom, you seen any good movies lately? Oh, I went and I saw Fifty Shades Darker. It was great. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Oh. I'll have to watch that someday and not talk about it with you. Yeah, yeah. We should rent that on DVD and watch it together. <laughs> I still don't know the Never. hype, though. I guess I get it, but. I don't have to watch it. Well, I, you know, I, I don't. I, I haven't read the books. I haven't seen any of the movies, and that will probably never change in my lifetime. But I, I preface this by saying that just because I want you to know that I, I may be missing something. There might be way more to it. I might be close-minded by saying this, but like I said, never read the books, never seen any of the movies, and I probably never will. You know, um, Fifty Shades of Grey started as a piece of Twilight fan fiction. Like, originally the characters in it were, like... And that uh, is why Mom saw it, right? Jacob and Bella or something like that? Mm-hmm. It, like, that that was who they... I don't know. Did, did, would you, was your mom involved in that whole Twilight thing? Oh, yeah. What what was it? Edward and Jacob? Was that was that the, the vampire and the werewolf? Was you that know, the thing? Luckily, I don't know. I don't know. I, all I remember is that during that time, there were some people that were on Team Edward and some people that were Team Jacob. Mm. I was on Team Blow It Out Your Ass. I don't care about this. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, apparently, Fifty Shades 
started as a piece of Twilight fan fiction, and originally the characters were from Twilight, and it got turned into the book, which got turned into the movies that I will never watch. And the thing about it is, I think the reason that it uh, the the sequel didn't do all that well is because you get to a point where you just go, "Why not just watch porn? Like seriously, why are we why are we why are we spending like eighteen dollars to watch this? The, in- because it's about the story, isn't it? It's about the book." Story well, I think I, I think by the second movie they realized it wasn't about the story. It was about the the dirty nudie sex sex, and for that you could just oh. stay home and watch it for free on the interwebs, where you could act upon your urges appropriately, which you could not do in the theater. And besides, you, didn't, you, you know what I mean. There is a triple well just... X parody of that I, that I have seen. Right mm, there, you go. So I guess I get Good. the plot. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, but enough about movies that you're planning on watching with your mom. What else? There's a new men's cologne that smells like kittens. What? <laughs> oh, the litter box. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for, perfect for the guy in your shopping list that wants to attract absolutely the wrong type of female attention. Go on. In Nashville, three teenagers shot up a pizza place because it got their order wrong. What? Mm-hmm. They shot up. They like fired bullets into a pizza place because they 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 got their pizza order wrong. Like there was anchovies when there weren't supposed to be any, so they they shot mm-hmm, at them. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's messed up. Oh, I mean, any way you slice it, oh. that's messed up. Oh, what's up, man? Americana. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Woody Harrelson said he gave up smoking pot. About a year ago. No kidding. Really? Really. I think you can find out the exact date by looking up when his dealer filed for bankruptcy. That's surprising. (laughs) That guy was dedicated to the marijuana. Like, he lives in Hawaii, smokes pot, and does yoga. That's what we know about Woody Harrelson. I guess, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder why. I wonder what makes a a guy who is a dedicated follower of the marijuana, especially as it is becoming legal, I wonder what makes them give up. I wonder if, like, maybe as an actor, he had problems learning lines or something. Like, I don't know. I don't, don't. Hmm. Eh. I he said, oh, wait, wait. Yep. Go ahead. At least he wasn't one of those people that was just like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nature's antidepressant. It's all like he, uh, he said, and I quote, I was partying too effing hard. So That'll do it. There's that. He was partying too effing hard. Uh, what, what else? The National Enquirer bought U.S. Weekly or Us Weekly. Uh-huh. Oh, they bought us. If if the National Enquirer does the same thing, if the National Enquirer does the same thing with Reader's Digest and Jack Link's Jerky, they're going to own everything that I studiously ignore in the checkout line at the grocery store. (laughs) You don't even glance. Not even. I saw some dude take a picture of his on his phone of the of uh, the headline of the Enquirer right now. Gosh, I forget what it was. Something about a divorce happening. You know, it's interesting because. All those little impulse buys, ever since the cell phone became, you know, the cell phone camera and social media became a thing, I have to imagine impulse buys are way down because, all right, like I'm looking for a souvenir, like a Vienna fridge magnet or something like that while I'm there. A functional magnet? That's what I get when I'm out of town. Right. So like I wanted to get like some kind of souvenir of my trip. So I'm in a little souvenir store and I see a fridge magnet with a picture of a kangaroo on it. And it says, Austria, there are no kangaroos here. Because Austria, Australia, har, har, har. And I thought, oh, that's hilarious. And in the past, I would have like, just for the joke, so I can show my friends and have a story to tell, I'm going to buy this fridge magnet for six euros. I think that's what they cost. Like one fridge magnet, six euros. Two fridge magnets, ten euros. Or whatever it was. But instead of parting with the six euros for the sake of an impulse buying a joke, I was just like click and uploaded it to Instagram or something. I was mm-hmm. like, and and I got the same amount of thrill as I would of as I would have off of buying it. And your your guy that you saw online taking a picture of the headline of the National Enquirer, same deal. He probably uploaded that to some form of social media and said, "Look at this. This is so ridiculous." As opposed to having shelled out the two bucks fifty or whatever a National Enquirer costs. So I have to imagine that. Uh, I got to imagine that cell phones have greatly cut into the impulse buy market. Mm-hmm. Who really does that stuff anymore? Unless you do want the Jack's Link jerky, which is not my favorite jerky. Like if I'm going to eat jerky, that, I'm going to yeah. eat the good stuff. I've always yeah, snapped into a Slim Jim. I don't know about the other thing. I enjoy snapping into a Slim Jim. The last time I did that, though, 
Was remember when we were in Vegas, Funkhauser? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was driving back from Vegas, and uh, I needed to use the bathroom somewhere, and I just filled up my tank, so I couldn't buy gas. Like, and it was one of those places where they didn't say they didn't say in Nowheresville, California. <laughs> Where they looked at you like you definitely weren't from around here when you walked in. They didn't say that you had to purchase something to use the bathroom, but it was definitely implied. And uh, I was like, I gotta buy something. Uh, I know, I'll snap into a Slim Jim. And I got like one regular flavored one and one Tabasco flavored one. Mm, that's so good. Good, huh? My guts didn't forgive me for oh. like three days. Oh. And I hadn't had one of those in a really long time. Like, you ever... You, do you still eat them, Funkhauser? Oh, no, 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 no. Bit into one, and I felt like grease shoot up between my teeth. And I was Ugh. just like, I could I could feel my heart slow down with every bite. I was like, this, this is just, this is plain old not good for you. Yeah, snapping into a Slim Jim, not so great. Hey, um, we're about out of time, but we cannot leave today without uh, revealing that Katy Perry did more than just kiss a girl. I Kissed a Girl was Katy Perry's first big hit. However, if the lyrics had been more honest, you never would have heard it on the radio because it turns out there was a lot more than kissing going on. <clears throat> oh, 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 I guess they must have like been doing a lot of arts and crafts. <laughs> seem to have been. Hey, hey. Reading this description. Hey, whoa, there seem to man, have been... whoa. Whoa, man. Uh, oh, okay. Whoa. Not in delay. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Katie was honored this past weekend, just gone by, by the human rights campaign. And she opened up about her religious upbringing and her sexuality. She said, quote, I kissed a girl and I liked it. Truth be told, I did more than that. Katie grew up singing gospel and participating in youth groups. She called, quote, pro-conversion camps. Even then, she understood that sexuality wasn't black and white. But she still, quote, tried to pray the gay away in my Jesus camps. But that all changed when she broke into the mainstream music industry. She said, quote, I found my gift and my gift introduced me to people outside my bubble. And my bubble started to burst. These people were nothing like I had been taught to fear. They're the most free, strong, kind people I have ever met. Hmm. So there we go. We talk about this all the time on the show. It's a good idea to get outside your bubble and bust your bubble. And if you can do that while picturing Katy Perry doing more than just kissing your girl, so much the better! As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.